In order to truly become part of the global business environment, your business needs to constantly change and adapt to a variety of new constants. Welcome to Leadership Beyond Borders with Kimberly J. Lewis. We will help you navigate these changes on today's program and help you think beyond the boundaries. The opportunities are limitless if you are prepared. Now, here is your host, Kimberly J. Lewis. Hello and welcome to Leadership Beyond Borders. I'm Kimberly Lewis, your host, and my goal is to make you aware of the best leadership practices, leadership trends, and also business issues that leaders need to be aware of in order to lead their businesses successfully in today's global economy. We have listeners from all over the globe, and today I would like to especially welcome our European and U.S. listeners, because today we're talking about a subject that affects us all, and especially in the United States and Europe. We're going to be talking about the impact data privacy and the changes on content in the net are having on our businesses. So good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, wherever you may be listening from today. And today I'm recording from northeastern United States, and our guests are coming in from Lyon, France, and Maples, Florida. So we really are leadership beyond borders. And what's this series about? It's really about the, the impact globalization is having on our organizations and what this impact is doing to the kind of leadership we need to drive long-term success in today's economy. In this series, we've talked about everything from gender balance and leadership to business values that may impact your organization or your individual career. So please download this series on iTunes, Stitcher, or Google Play. You can listen to great advice, leadership success stories that you can learn from, stories that can motivate you, stimulate new ideas, and possibly even be the key to your success. I invite you to connect with me. Send me your thoughts and insights to leadershipbeyondborders at gmail.com. Tell me what you would like to hear about. So if you're in a leadership position or aspire to be in one, regardless if your business is international or local, make sure you join us each week and we will make sure that you take away something useful for your business or yourself. Now on to today's subject, which I really love. I mean, privacy is dead, right? Well, I don't know. When I think about it, Facebook knows everything about you. LinkedIn has documented your entire career. Uh, But consumer behavior repeatedly says that people don't care about privacy no matter how much they complain about it. But it also is quite cultural. In the U.S., research shows that 60% of U.S. adults claim they care about privacy, but they barely lift a finger in an effort to preserve it, okay? So what do we do about this? You know, regulations in Europe, such as GDPR and regulations in the U.S., are trying to protect privacy, but my question is, are we too late? There's so much data out there already. Are we really going to be able to ensure privacy? And then there's the other subject on the net, and that's about content. Content regulation of the internet has recently come into the forefront of public debate, and it's an issue that both governments and net users are concerned about. Increasingly, Governments are trying to ensure privacy and filter and restrict content. So what are the changes taking place today? And today we're going to talk to two experts who are following and lead the trends in internet regulations, both in the United States and in Europe. Our first guest is Stephanie Verlach, and she is the European Affairs Manager for CINDA, the Digital Marketing and Local Search Association of Europe. She has worked at the European Parliament in the Secretariat Service of EPP and was rewarded the Francoise Fontaine Prize for her work on the EU opening to the Visgard countries. Today, she works with companies and institutions, helping them understand and implement policies and procedures that meet European guidelines, especially in data protection and privacy. Her company is SWM Consult in France. Our second guest is James Ward, and he is the founder of Ward PLLC, a law firm based in Miami, Florida. James is an attorney and data security consultant. He provides his clients with counsel and advice on how to integrate intelligent, forward-looking policies and practices about data security into their daily operations. In other words, how to be data smart. Earlier this year, James published Data Leverage 
leverage, unlocking the surprising growth potential of data partnerships with his brother, Christian J. Ward. The book is on Amazon, and it was a number one new release across two data categories. James is a fellow of information privacy. He holds certifications in both European and U.S. data security and privacy law and a certification in privacy program management from the International Association of Privacy Professionals, the only ISO ANSI accredited body for data security and privacy. So we really do have two experts on the show today. Welcome, Stephanie and James. Hello. Okay. Very nice being there. Okay. So so let's 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 start out. Um Steph, I'll start Stephanie, I'll start with the first question. Um, how is the global privacy network? What does it look like today in 2019? Yes, so I think if we if you compare what it looks like today at that date compared to what it was uh, one year and a half ago before we had the GDPR, we can say that the whole uh, global landscape on privacy has really changed. And uh, one of the major reasons is that GDPR came into force. We saw uh, some of the first uh, big lines in the media about uh, data breaches, the the fines, uh, the new concepts being put in place. And uh, we can see that there is a, a kind of resonance effect uh, of the GDPR going on globally. And also, another thing that happened uh, in the US, and I, I guess James is going to comment on that, is the uh, launch of the CCPA, the California Privacy Act, uh, which sounds like the, the first big uh, US move into privacy protection uh, regulations. So a lot has happened in 2019, and probably a lot is also going to happen in 2020. Mm-hmm. And, and James, to, to come to the U.S., so this GDPR started and kind of snowballed, and then CCPA in California came first. What's happening right now in the U.S.? Well, I, I think what we're seeing is maybe a response to the very first thing that you said, which is privacy is dead. Uh, I think in the U.S., the answer is privacy is dead, long live privacy. Um, there's been a large movement um, both in in the public sector um, and among advocacy groups to um, kind of respond to GDPR and make privacy a more central component of the legal landscape in the U.S. But I'd say that it's only had limited success. Um, CCPA goes into effect on January 1st, 2020. And there are a number of other laws, for example, Nevada's, which is in some ways even more aggressive than CCPA, that have put into place But in the absence of a comprehensive federal law on privacy in the U.S., which we can talk, I think, a little bit more about later, the only game in town um, that has an effect on uh, on businesses large scale is CCPA. And I think what's happening now is states are trying to understand what it means for them to embrace the CCPA model or maybe go in a different direction like Ohio and Texas which are moving more towards an incentive-based model, saying to businesses, hey, if you follow basic minimum standards, then um, we're going to provide you with some sort of immunity or cover from from liability. So I think what's happening here is a reflection of the fact that the United States, uh, that that Americans largely care about privacy, but they don't know what to do about it. Um, You know, in the the literature, the academic literature, it's called the privacy paradox, right? You said that people don't want to lift a finger even though they say they care about it. I think the legislators are in a similar position. They they know that they want to do something. They just don't know how to do it yet. Mm-hmm. Well, when I, when I, um, both James and Stephanie, when I think about it with GDPR, it was, it was quite uniform. Okay. So it's uniform across Europe. And then of course, if you're doing business in Europe, you have to abide by GDPR. Um, so my question to you, James, is, is if, if you have different regulations in different states, isn't that going to be, become really confusing? Yes. I mean, the short answer is yes, and it's the only time you'll get one from a lawyer. Um, <laughs> and so I think what we're, we're, we're looking at largely is a, a patchwork of privacy laws over the course of the coming years. And then probably, I don't know, I don't know that I think 2020 will be the year, but potentially after the general election in, in 2020, a movement towards um, a federal law on privacy that would set minimums and potentially preempt state laws. Um, on the other hand, 
states already have patchworks of laws um, in many different subject matter areas. And so I guess the question is, do we consider privacy to be something that really reflects the local values or the local exigencies of the state? Um, are the issues that face people in Vermont when it comes to protecting privacy different or the values different than those for people who live in, in Arizona? They might be. But we haven't come to a general consensus in the United States about whether we think that's true or whether, like energy or the environment, privacy is a uniform national issue that requires federal legislation. And I think that's where the debate's really going to lie in the next 18 months. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and because in uh, to come back to Europe, um, Stephanie, when when it's quite uniform, it's probably it's a little bit easier to regulate. And you've been seeing some regulation after a year and a half of this going on, and there's been fines. You want to talk a little bit about some of the things that's been happening in Europe after a year and a half? Yes. So as you say, I mean, of course, the the headlines have been about the fines and the data breaches and and all that goes along. But also, as you said, uh, the harmonization and the horizontal approach that GDPR has brought in place uh, has been really valued by by a large majority of of the industry and the uh, ad tech environment, because uh, it means that you are coping with one set of rules in Europe and and uh, also, uh, harmonization is not 100% effective because uh, some of the uh, uh, transcription into the national laws might differ. Uh, but uh, what we have been seeing is, uh, yeah, a welcome of the of the horizontal approach and uh, some clarification needed. And we are now at the stage in Europe when um, a lot of companies are are waiting for uh, the regulators' insights uh, and guidelines about how to practically turn the principles and trend into the GDPR into business uh, and into action. And uh, I think this is what uh, James, you referred to about uh, uh, the fact that the regulators uh, know that privacy is important. They still don't know how to cope with it. I think in in Europe, they knew uh, how to put together the GDPR, but now it has to be really transposed into business uh, and concrete uh, concrete action, and uh, it's still lagging behind some of the some of the in some of the sectors. Mm-hmm. Okay, um, we're gonna we're gonna take a short break here. When I come back, I, I want to talk about this a little bit more and talk about you know with this all going on. Um, James, you talk about helping companies become data smart. Um, Stephanie, you talk about compliances. And I'd like to talk a little bit about how to get some clarity in this and, and what companies have to do to make sure they are actually meeting some of these regulations. So for our listeners, um, we are talking with Stephanie Verlach, the EU manager of Cinda, and James Ward, the managing partner at Ward PLLC and co-author of the published book, Data Leverage, Unlocking the Surprising Growth Potential of Data Partnerships. Now, if you'd like to reach out to Stephanie, you can reach out to Stephanie at stephanie at cinda.com or on Twitter at Stephanie Verliak, and I'll spell that as V-E-R-I-H-A-C, or on LinkedIn under Stephanie Verliak-Mazan and under samconsultant.com. And James, you can reach James at jjward at wardpllc.com. Also on Twitter at privacylaw underscore jjw. And on uh, website wardpllc.com. And I'm your host, Kimberly Lewis, and you are listening to Voice America Business Station, Leadership Beyond Borders. You can reach out to me with questions at leadershipbeyondborders at gmail.com, or you can go to our website, leadershipbeyondborders.net. And also, if you want to see and learn about privacy, you can Join Cinda in Berlin, May 24th to 26th, 2020, where both James and Stephanie will be holding an informative panel on privacy, data, and internet laws. And with that, we're going to take a short break and we'll be right back. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Tune in to the soul of enterprise, business in the knowledge economy with co-hosts Ron Baker and Ed Klass. 
Ron and Ed will show you how to recognize that wealth is created by intellectual capital. It's all in the possibilities that we can create and that are created for us. These possibilities are destined to be discovered by human imagination and through the service of others, creating a brighter future for all of us. The Soul of Enterprise is heard live every Friday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Business Channel and simulcast at the same time on the Voice America Variety Channel. The Voice America Live Events Channel is here now to showcase your corporate, individual, or organization's live event. Visit voiceamerica.com forward slash live events to see all of our past live events and find out more. Whether it's a multi-day conference, special speaker, or single-day event, we've got everything to make your event a success. We can do a few hours or a few days. For more information about taking your event to the next level, call Jeff Spinard at 480 294 6417 or email info at voiceamerica.com Again, that's Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417 or send us an email to info at voiceamerica.com Voice America is where you are and where you want to be. Join us around the globe as we broadcast live from some of the most interesting events available. Don't forget to view all our live events, including on-demand access to past events that you may have missed by visiting voiceamerica.com forward slash live events. If you are interested in the business of rental equipment, be sure to check out Rental Equip Talk Radio with host Donald Charbonnet. We talk to some of the top names in the rental industry, as well as cover topics that include safety, training, fleet management, legal issues, and more. We'll also cover the history and future of the rental equipment industry. Rental Equip Talk Radio can be heard live every Wednesday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. You are listening to Leadership Beyond Borders. Do you have a question or comment about our show? Please send an email to leadershipbeyondborders at gmail.com. Again, that's leadershipbeyondborders at gmail.com. Now back to this week's program. Welcome back to Leadership Beyond Borders, the Voice America's business channel, and one of the best series for learning about global leadership and new business issues. And today we're speaking with Stephanie Verlach, EU Manager of Cinda, and James Ward, Managing Partner at Ward PLLC, and co-author of the published book, Data Leverage, Unlocking the Surprising Growth Potential of Data Partnerships, which is available on Amazon. So um, we, we kind of just talked a little bit about GDPR and, and, and the general regulations. And James, you wrote this book on unlocking the surprising growth potential of data partnerships. And um, I've read the book. It's a fantastic book. And, it's, and data is so important, such an important asset for us today. So do you want to just talk a little bit about the book first? And then I'd like to go into, you know, how do you protect this asset? Sure. So I think the the premise behind the book and the reason why we call it data leverage is, you know, we hear um, in our practice and from our clients all the time, you know, gosh, I've got all this great data. I just don't know how to make use of it. Um, I don't know how to leverage it. And it occurred to us that that's because it hadn't been explained. People don't really recognize um, on first glance how to how to make use of data sets, how to compile two different data sets to turn them into something that's more valuable than either of them are individually, and then how to create partnerships with uh, third parties or really how to drive internal partnerships that can create new economies of scale and allow you to grow. And so what we did was we went through um, and and categorized the way that we approach these problems, uh, a four-step process that we call the data smart method. And essentially what it is, is you begin by identifying your data assets, then you value them, then you you determine how you want to structure the use of those data assets and structure your data data partnerships, and then how do you want to protect them? Um, And so it's a stem to stern approach of looking at the data, the information that you have, how to create value out of it, how to grow, but also how to bear in mind the very important regulatory 
and ethical obligations that we have about you know using data. At one point in the book, and Stephanie can can, can attest to my translation here, but you know the word for for data in in English comes from the Latin datum, like something that has been given, and in French it's donné. It's it's the same across the European languages. It's about information that's been given to you, and it begs the question: Who gave it? And even when we're talking about business data, we're talking about something that a, a data subject, a human person, either created, shared, or that it reflects. And so understanding that there's a human component to data, even B2B data, is a really important part of understanding and maximizing your opportunities for compliance while still recognizing and realizing the growth potential that data offers. Mm-hmm. And with, I, I like that where data comes from, okay, and talking about, you know, um, consent and it's been given to you. So, Stephanie, in Europe, there's been so much talk around this consent. So, so James, we, we have this asset. We have this great asset. It's all our data. How do we, you know, how do we use it? And then we have this consent. So, Stephanie, what are you seeing in Europe around this consent, consent issue? Yeah, so we've seen with the GDPR put in place, we've seen... A, a big spotlight put on consent and not only on consent but uh, referring to what you just said uh, James about about data and the the ownership of data I think is one of the very important questions which is also coming after the data protection regulation put in place and maybe in Europe we've done things a little bit uh, in reverse order uh, first protecting the data before solving the question uh, of data ownership, you know, and uh, so if you go back to to consent, of course, the the focus has been put on consent. There's been consent strings, uh, even the uh, IAB framework, the Internet Ad- Advertising Bureau framework, has tried to put together a global. Um, Code of conduct for uh, for digital uh, players uh, uh, and digital industries, trying to uh, to explain how uh, they could rely on other bases than consent and uh, to put in place consent strings. So of course, consent is the most important, one of the most important uh, data protection, data processing grounds. Sorry, that uh, that uh, has been put in place, but the GDPR doesn't. Uh, talk only about consent. You can have other uh, bases for processing data. Uh, You just need to make sure that you're using the one that is really uh, documented and and that uh, really matches both the purpose and uh, and the, uh, the the way you are handling data, and I think uh, one of the biggest questions that we're going to see for the next year is how the data protection part is going to cope with uh, the question of data ownership. And um, in the digital sector, data ownership is very important. It is all the more important if you think about AI or Internet of Things, where the objects uh, themselves are also producing data so who's going to be the owner of the data that uh, your smart uh, your smart TV or your uh, power uh, energy grid uh, is uh, is producing this is a very important and a global question that to to date uh, regulators hasn't been haven't been able to to solve mm-hmm. and and when you when if you're saying it's so confusing James I'll come back to you for a minute how how we want to leverage this data as an asset. So how do companies, how can they work with data in such a stringent regulatory world? I think the answer largely lies in the way that you think about the the structure. So <laughs> compliance, in, in my mind, is largely a question of understanding the limitations on use cases for data, but also sort of a, a more philosophical question of why do we need this? You know, we, we, we sometimes talk about, you know, uh, clients who say, look, I've got 500,000 different data sets and each one of them, I can segment my market perfectly and tell you how many times people who golf on Tuesdays watch house reruns on Thursdays. And the question that we always ask is, okay, how does that tie to revenue? Mm-hmm. Right? How are you going to make that information that reflects an actual person, how are you going to make that information do work to drive value and growth? And very often the answer is, I don't know. 
And it's because we've grown up in an environment where data hoarding is just sort of the natural predisposition. That's what we think. More data is good data. But the reality is, and this is what my brother Christian will talk about, you know, anytime you give him the opportunity, especially Thanksgiving, what is the good data? It's the lean data. It's the data that gives you insight, wisdom, meaning. And the way that you find that is by figuring out what you want the information to do for you. How do you want the information to work? And when you have a use case in mind or when you have a theory about how you want to put data sets to use, you're far more likely to be able to structure the use of those data within the framework of the law. Mm-hmm. So if my, pro- if my value prop to you is I'm going to bring in the largest number of data sets tied to real-time tracking of individuals in the world – and you say, okay, that's great. And you, and then you ask me, what's the, you know, how am I going to tie that to revenue? And I say, well, I don't know. Well, you know, we're going to learn things about people and that's good. Well, not only does that give you a really hazy and vague and unhelpful approach to crafting a business strategy, it also violates the GDPR and the CCPA mm-hmm. and all number of other laws. So these, you know, CCPA and GDPR, they're not written to destroy the use of data. They're written to cabinet. Mm-hmm. And honestly, from what we see, you can easily grow and expand and, and achieve value using data, even if you're working in these, you know, so-called stringent environments. You know, GDPR lists consent as one of the lawful bases for processing. But there are others. There are five others that are expressly li- 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 uh, set out. And then there's another one called legitimate purposes, which is if you can make a good enough case for using data, you can. It's not a, it's not a notice and consent statute like it is in America. It's a, all right, why are you going to use the data? Be straightforward. Tell us how you're going to use it. And if it's fair, reasonable, and you can show why it matters to what you're doing, you can do it. Mm-hmm. So understanding how to structure data within that framework is the way that you have success and grow, even if you're working in Europe. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so a question I'd like both of you to answer. Um, they, we're in a global economy. So people are, are, have data and it's reaching across continents, it's reaching across the world. So how close are these regulations, okay? Um, I'll start with Stephanie. You know, you're dealing with the EU. Um, you're looking at some of the U.S. regulations. What's, from an EU point of view, how close are they? I think they're not di- that divergent. You know, you have some of the, uh, some of the uh, insights and some of the internal uh, concepts that might differ, but the basic principles are pretty much the same. And uh, uh, the major principle is transparency. So we bas- basically what the new privacy regulations are asking is they're asking companies to be transpa- more transparent about what they are doing with the data. So what, so what, for what purposes are you using uh, uh, data? Uh, on what legal basis are you uh, basing your data processing uh, information? And uh, with whom are you sharing the data? This is basically the three major elements that both GDPR, CCPA, LGPD, or the draft uh, Australian and uh, Indian bills uh, would like to uh, to answer and are trying to answer with the with the regulation. And I think this going back to your uh, to your initial statement about uh, you know why uh, co- consumers don't care. They care, but they don't know how to bypass the terms and conditions that are, you know, pre uh, preempted. And uh, if you don't agree to them, you can't use the services. I think we we're really now going more into more transparency uh, requirements in order to be able to uh, to show that you're using data, but you're using data in a, in a lawful and uh, known environment. And uh, this is where you can leverage the data. Mm-hmm. And, and James, in the state, you know, in the states, you know the European, and you see these ones popping up in the states. How how close are they? You know, between uh, California, Vermont, EU, are, are there similarities? Is there, there a threat? Are. I mean, there really are, and this is one of those things where you really get into the eighty twenty principle. Um, the vast majority of the obligations imposed under the laws fall into the 80% category of it's all largely the same. Uh, The 20% where they differ are record-keeping requirements, 
um, what constitutes data that needs to be protected, um, notification requirements in the event of a data breach or a data incident, those types of things. And that's why you need to have good counsel. Um, and if you need a lawyer, I, you know, I know a guy. Um, <laughs> um, but, you know, for, for, from my perspective, this is really a question of three main principles, and, and, and Stephanie um, sort of hinted at them. The, the key things that you need to bear in mind when you're crafting a data policy are consistency, transparency, and security. Those are the three principles on which modern privacy law rests. And if you're transparent with what you're doing with the data, if you're consistent in your handling of the data in accord with the transparent principles that you've expressed, and if you secure the data against unauthorized use, both from within and without the company, you're going to be close to what you need to do. You're going to be in the ballpark. And so regulators, especially the regulators in the European Union, they have not expressed, and this is both in public statements and in, in conversations that I've had, they're not looking to play gotcha. This is really not a revenue generating exercise. It's a question of directional and intentional conduct. So if you're making the efforts to, to create a program that complies and that meets those three principles, whether you're in California, Vermont, Brazil, Japan, or Brussels, it doesn't matter. The goal has to be meeting those principles and showing, yes, with some guidance, how that you how you're sensitive to the local requirements. And I think as as time goes on, we're going to start to see more of a movement towards uniformity, both in terms of some of the international laws like um, um, Convention 108 Plus, which is you know a, a byproduct of international agreement this past year, or local laws rising to meet the levels that GDPR set. I think we're going to see some convergence over the coming year. Okay. Well, with that, we're, that's uh, good to know. And um, we're going to take a short break now. And when we come back, I, I'd like to talk a little bit more about some of the other stuff going on, okay? Some of the other policies, because it, we're talking a lot about GDPR and privacy, but there's content policies. There's all kinds of things going on. I'd like to know where the overlap is and what our listeners have to look out for in the upcoming years. So for our listeners, we are talking with Stephanie Verlach, and she's the EU manager at Cinda. And we're talking with James Ward, the managing partner at Ward PLLC. And he's also the published author of Data Leverage, Unlocking the Surprising Growth Potential of Data Partnerships that is uh, available on Amazon. And it was listed as a number one book in two data categories. And I urge our listeners to get the book. I have read it. It's very informative. And if you'd like to reach out to James, you can reach out to James at his, his website which is wardplc.com. On Twitter, he's at privacylaw underscore jjw. Or on, if you want to reach him by email, jjward at wardplc.com. And if you'd like to reach out to Stephanie, please reach out to Stephanie at stephanie at cinda.com. She's under Twister, under Stephanie Verliak, and on LinkedIn, under Stephanie Verliak-Mazin. And under, and her website is www.svmconsult.com. And I'm Kimberly Lewis, your host on Leadership Beyond Borders on Voice America's business. You can reach out to me at leadershipbeyondborders at gmail.com. And if you'd like to see Stephanie and James, please go to cinda.com. And they will be speaking in Berlin May 24th to 26th. And we'll do a whole session on regulatory and legislation in both the U.S. and in the EU. And with that, we're going to take a short break and we'll be right back. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. How is your work-life balance? In most businesses, no matter where you are positioned, there is always room for improvement. If you're an executive, learn insight about your business. Are you an employee? Learn how to better work with your team. Even if you're not in business, you can learn where your strengths and weaknesses can be played to their best potential. The Work-Life Balance with host Rick Morris can be heard live every Friday at 5 p.m. Eastern Time, 2 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. 
The Voice America Live Events Channel is here now to showcase your corporate, individual, or organization's live event. Visit voiceamerica.com forward slash live events to see all of our past live events and find out more. Whether it's a multi-day conference, special speaker, or single-day event, we've got everything to make your event a success. We can do a few hours or a few days. For more information about taking your event to the next level, call Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417 or email info at voiceamerica.com. Again, that's Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417 or send us an email to info at voiceamerica.com. Voice America is where you are and where you want to be. Join us around the globe as we broadcast live from some of the most interesting events available. Don't forget to view all our live events, including on-demand access to past events that you may have missed by visiting voiceamerica.com forward slash live events. Bob Pritchard has over 30 years of experience as a straight-talking business consultant and author working with some of the top Fortune 500 companies. Now he's come to the Voice America Business Channel to help you and your business. Tune in to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show for information about starting and successfully running a profitable business. From the movers and shakers to great marketing screw-ups, you can't afford to miss a single edition of the Bob Pritchard Radio Show, Tuesdays at 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Business. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. You are listening to Leadership Beyond Borders. Do you have a question or comment about our show? Please send an email to leadershipbeyondborders at gmail.com. Again, that's leadershipbeyondborders at gmail.com. Now back to this week's program. Welcome back to Leadership Beyond Borders on Voice America's business channel and one of the best series for learning about global leadership and business practices that you need to know to lead your company. And today we're talking about data, the asset of data, and the legislation surrounding data and privacy. And we're speaking with James Ward, the managing partner at Ward PLLC and co-author of the published book, Data Leverage, Unlocking the Surprising Growth Potential of Data Partnership, and Stephanie Veliak, who is the EU manager at Cinda, and they're both experts in this area. And so we've we've covered a lot of area on data privacy, Stephanie and James. And what, what I'd like to know is, you know, there are some other regulations going on, and especially in the EU. And I'll start with you, Stephanie. What what else is going on? Is it's not just about GDPR uh, privacy. What else is going on? Yeah, so I mean, there are a, a number of uh, of uh, other discussions, and in the bigger picture, uh, let's say uh, around the data and uh, and content. And uh, you mentioned content, so there there are really some big trends uh, and uh, and the drafts prepared regarding content. Uh, one example is probably uh, the EU um, willingness to uh, to try to promote uh, con- free content online and to try to make sure that there's no censorship uh, on the on the various platforms so it's, that you can access uh, you can access content freely and on the other hand that uh, there's no manipulation of the of the data uh, with the the uh, overall uh, fake news uh, environment and so on so uh, trying to to clean up a little bit uh, what what's happening regarding the content regulation uh, is a very important is a very important step. Uh, the EU just passed last year uh, the renewal of the copyright directive, which uh, has been probably one of the most lobbied uh, piece of regulation ever. And uh, the uh, result of that is now it's getting implemented into the various uh, EU countries in order to make sure that uh, content is also, uh, is also recognized as, as a very valuable asset 
uh, on the digital environment. Uh, another very important element, if I should cite another one, is uh, the uh, overarching uh, policy that the EU wants to uh, put together on uh, artificial intelligence and uh, how to bridge uh, the innovation to enable innovation uh, with all the artificial intelligence uh, environment and with the with the uh, neural networks with all the technology that is behind and make sure that there is uh, a liability regime and uh, and sufficient uh, security and protection uh, in place also for uh, European and worldwide citizens when they are using AI uh, on a daily basis. So I think those are the two big elements that probably we're going to see uh, with resonant effects uh, in the next year. Mm-hmm. And James, what what are you seeing um, both in the EU and the states, and what do you think are the 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 big issue, the biggest issues coming up in the next year? Well, I, so I think there's probably two different streams that you can take. I think from just the the, the academic and um, uh, philosophical stream, the AI piece is going to continue to be the the primary issue. I think the the European Union and the new von der Leyen presidency, uh, the new Commission in Brussels, has expressed that they're you know really interested in understanding how that's going to affect the digital single market in Europe. Um, and questions about the ethical usage and deployment of AI in the United States are going to continue to dominate. Um, I think from an operational perspective, from a from a business perspective, there's there's really two two critical components. The first is the use of tracking technologies um, and uh, cookies, pixels, and beacons. Um, it appears that the EU is going to attempt to revive the um, moribund e-privacy regulation, which will govern how um, <clears throat> cookies and tracking technologies can be deployed in Europe. Um, that is a <laughs> it has been a contentious piece of legislation to say the least. Um, but it looks like now the Croatian presidency of the Commission is going to be um, Um, is going to promote it. So look for changes there um, and look for some pressure from Brussels and from Washington at the Federal Trade Commission on the usage of tracking technologies and cookies. The IAB has already run into some stress um, in Paris um, and in a few other places in Europe with respect to their approach to tracking um, and what's lawful uh, for cookies now in in the UK and in in France will not be lawful uh, a year from now. So be careful with the way that you're using those texts. So James, let me just stop there for one second to ask you. So I'm a business listening to that what does that mean to me okay because uh, you know, what i'm doing now may not be lawful in the future is it going to be more restrictive than this legislation coming up yeah it, i mean essentially what it's going to do is it's going to limit your ability to place cookies without providing um substantial disclosures at the beginning um it's going to limit you know right now everybody has the facebook um pixel um on on their website because facebook has pixeled the universe. Um, every website has it, um, and and you know GA is doing it. There's there's lots and lots of of these tools that, you, that people use on their websites for perfectly legitimate purposes. Um, but one of the issues that's that's arising is the degree to which these these tools allow for the ready identification of individuals mm-hmm. without their consent at any time, um, and that's why when you went to you know, uh, you went to a website, you went to Barney's and you were looking for a coat for Christmas. That's why you get 500 ads for coats over the course <laughs> of the year, including in June. Everybody hates it. And the reality is it's just not good business. Yeah. This idea that, you know, I've, I've purchased tacos five times in the last year. You need to serve me ads for tacos every single day. Mm-hmm. I mean, the nudge principle aside, it just doesn't work. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I think what's going to happen is there will be a movement both from the operational side, just reflecting the, the value proposition that they that they show, and the regulatory side to say, look, we need to do something differently. And Keneal, which is the French um, data protection authority, has already said, look, what you're doing now with respect to by using this website, you agree to our placement of cookies. You've got about a year to clean up your act. And then after that, you can't place a cookie um, without getting consent. Mm-hmm. And okay. what we're probably going to see is lots of new banners, lots of new um, lots of new alerts saying you have to agree to cookies. Mm-hmm. And again, there's that privacy paradox. Everybody's just going to say, yeah, fine, whatever. 
<laughs> exactly. And, okay. And I think I think we, we I think we're also going to see a lot of a lot more partnerships with uh, constant management uh, software and the and the preferences and the, uh, we're going to have to to open up uh, more possibilities for users to really choose which type of cookies you're you're agreeing to because at the moment, as you say, you just basically you tick a box and that's it. Mm-hmm. So I think this is going to really open up also some business opportunities for the ones who are smart enough in, uh, and uh, able to uh, to partner with a lot of companies in order to uh, to manage uh, content and cookie preferences in a lawful way. Mm-hmm. So that that's important for me to know as a business, as a business leader. And James, you said a second thing. I interrupted you because I wanted to get a little more in the tracking. You said you had a se- second issue that you see being a big impact in the next yeah, year. Yeah, so... So the first was tracking, and the second is going to be the um, ethical usages of data and disclosures. Um, and so this is where we really get into the CCPA, and then the new sort of follow-on to CCPA, the California Privacy Rights and Enforcement Act. Um, this is where we're going to start to see a movement for understanding and truly disclosing in a clear, uh, understandable way what's Mm -hmm. being done with data. Um, And I think the reason this is going to be pushed is because until and unless um, privacy literacy and privacy conduct is stronger, uh, particularly in the U.S., but but around the world, um, there's not going to be much of a bite to these regulations because a lot of of times the, the way that these regulations are enforced are driven by complaints from consumers. Mm -hmm. But in the European model, Every single complaint, for example, that the Information Commissioner's Office in, in, in the UK gets, they have to investigate every single one of them. They mm-hmm. don't have the staff to do it. The yeah. Data Protection Commissioner in Ireland, they've already said they just don't have the staff. So the inundation of ticky-tacky requests to go through these issues is going to lead to an administrative paralysis in terms of pushing ahead the real initiatives behind GDPR and similar legislations. So from outside of government and from outside of industry, from advocacy groups, look for a movement towards only use services from people you trust. And if you can't understand what they're saying in their privacy policies, you can't trust them. Mm-hmm. You know, one of the things that, that I do with my clients is we go through and we rewrite their policies. And if I have a, a, a privacy policy that has higher than, you know, if it's harder to read than um, a, 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 just a, something that you'd get in an email from a friend, it's too complicated yeah. because no, one, no one's going to understand it. If you can't tell me what you're doing and why in the way that we're talking right now, you've already missed the boat. Mm-hmm. And that's where the next frontier of compliance is going to be. It's going to be how do you know you can trust what these companies are saying to you? And the answer is because they're telling you the truth and you're making the decision to use their product anyway. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense. And um, for both of you, we're getting towards the end of, of our broadcast. I'm sure we could go on for this forever. So I, you both, James, you do a lot of, you have a lot of clients. You do a lot of consulting with your clients. When you when you go into a client, we have a lot of businesses listening to us. What would be the first advice, the first three things that you'd say to them or how you could help them and what they should look at? You mean after buy the book? Well, yeah, after they buy the book, of course. Okay. Um, I, I think the answer is that's, you know, we lay it out in the, in the book. It's the data smart method. The first thing you have to do is what do you have? What are your data assets? And it can't just be what are you sharing with someone else? What, you know, what do you think you have? I can't tell you the number of times, Kimberly, that we've sat down in a room with clients and said, okay, what are the data assets you have? And they say, oh, you know, we've got a little of this and a little of that. And then a half an hour later, you're like, I had no idea we had this much information. Until you do that exercise and until you think about what your external and internal data assets are, you can't figure out how to categorize them, protect them, value them. You can't do anything. So step one, identify the the data assets. Step two, figure out their value. And that's a product of both the potential financial and growth uh, gain that you can have by using them, but also the regulatory risk. You know, if we're talking about moral contagion, yeah, it's great that I have all of these data sets that rely on social security numbers, but 
what value do I get out of them compared to the risk of a breach that loses social security numbers? You have to conduct that analysis. And then when you figure out how to structure and protect the data and the partnerships that you're creating off of those data sets, that's how you can turn your company from someone who, from a business that has information to a company that has actionable insights that can drive growth, create new partnerships and develop new markets. Mm-hmm. Great, great advice for our listeners. And Stephanie, one piece of advice for the listeners um, from the EU perspective, also from your perspective. Yeah, I think uh, as uh, as uh, Chris, uh, as James said, I mean, you, you need first to make sure that you understand uh, what type of data you have and uh, how what steps you're taking in order to uh, to value it, to protect it, and uh, if you don't know where to start, you you should just turn for out for external advice because uh, uh, one thing we're seeing with the with the EU is that even though there is a horizontal approach uh, there's still some divergences into the way uh, data protection authorities are interpreting uh, the the overall law so uh, it's always good to rely on uh, on uh, external expert advice in order to help you Okay, great. And with that, I'd like to thank you both and tell our listeners to please reach out to you both. We've been talking with Stephanie Verlach, the EU officer of the of Cinda, and James Ward, managing partner at Ward PLLC, and also the author of Data Leverage, Unlocking the Surprising Growth Potential of Data Partnerships, which is available on Amazon and was voted as number one in two data categories. Now, reach out to James at jjward at wardpllc.com, on Twitter, privacylaw underscore jjw, and the website is wardpllc.com. And Stephanie is on stephanie at cinda.com or on Twitter under Stephanie Verliak, or under www.svmconsult.com. And I'd like to thank you very much, both of you, for taking the time today. It's been a pleasure. And I hope to have you back because I think this subject is more than just one broadcast. It's a pleasure. Definitely. Thank you. Okay. Definitely. <laughs> okay. And and for our listeners, again, if you'd like to meet Stephanie and James, please come to Cinda, and you can uh, Cinda see, find the Cinda website under www.cinda.com. And Stephanie and James will be conducting a session in the Berlin Cinda Conference, May twenty fourth to twenty sixth, two thousand and twenty. And you can register now for that conference. And once again, you're listening to Leadership Beyond Borders. It's a program sponsored by CINDA and also the Women's Leadership Academy 2020. Please get in touch with me for more information on either CINDA or the Women's Leadership Academy. And please listen to us every Tuesday at 3 p.m. Pacific time. And if you can't make the live show, then please listen to us on iTunes, Google Play, or Stitcher. Download those. We have many interesting episodes for you to hear. Send me an email, leadershipbeyondborders at gmail.com, or visit my website, globalbusinesstherapy.com. And with that, I'd like to thank you for listening this week, and please tune in again next week. Thank you for joining us on Leadership Beyond Borders. Please tune in again next Tuesday at 3 p.m. U.S. Pacific Time for another edition featuring your host, Kimberly J. Lewis, on the Voice America Business Channel. Have a great week.